0: Welcome to the Savory Sweet Podcast, where we introduce the stories of black food companies, farmers, and restaurants. I'm your host, Tracy Scott, the founder and CEO of Tracy's Gourmet. I created this podcast after nine years of building and scaling my company, winning business pitch events, participating in business accelerators, selling at local and international trade shows, and having my products carried in Whole Foods Market and other specialty food stores. Now, I am highlighting the culinary genius business success, and growth of black food companies, farmers, and restaurants. How does a successful rap artist who understands what it means to truly own his gifts and talents transition to becoming the founder and CEO of an award-winning restaurant and film? Listen to how Chef Nappy of The Nappy Chef in Charlotte, North Carolina does it.
1: Hey, I have the wonderful pleasure of interviewing the hard-to-get-in-touch-with-chef, CEO, founder of the Nappy Chef Takeout in Charlotte, North Carolina, Chef Nappy. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Mel? I am doing very well. I say hard-to-get-in-touch-with because you are a busy, busy <laughs> man. I think I told you that I found you when I lived in Charlotte, and you make the best salmon. You have so many salmon dishes on your menu, and I was floored when I came there. I actually came to your restaurant three times because the line was out the door, and I'm not young, so I didn't feel like standing outside like, you know, the people were. But I came back. I have to tell you, your menu is fantastic. So I want to thank you so much for your time. I'm going to get into these questions because I know your food is good, but your business is really growing. So when and where did you start your company?
2: Um, I actually started and came up with the brand Ideal when I was living outside of Atlanta, working for John Macon. That's when I actually came up with the name the Epic Chef. I actually got it registered in 2015. So it officially started in 2015, January 2015.
1: And when you started your company, was this a lifelong goal? Was it something you dreamed of doing when you were young? How did you become a chef and then opening a restaurant?
2: I wouldn't say it was a lifelong dream. I mean, I always loved to cook. Cooking was like one of my passions. First, I thought I was going to be an athlete because I've been playing sports since I was seven years old. And then when I became 14, I started rapping. I got my first record deal when I was 19. I was in the rap in the industry for like 10 to 12 years. I can't remember if it was 10 or 12 years. And every city I was in, or any family reunion or um, just a kickback or get-together or barbecue, I was always the one cooking. One of the ones cooking or on the grill and I always cooking for everybody. So I always loved it. So I said if I ever lost a passion for rapping in you know, the music industry, that would be my plan B. I was going to go to a culinary school out in Dallas, Texas, but I got an opportunity to work for a world-renowned chef named John Macon. Rest in peace, he passed away um, in 2016. But I got a chance to go work for him and be his apprentice. And once I started working for him, I kind of like learned the art of cooking. And that's when I really fell in love with cooking. Once I started learning the art and the science and seeing how much he made for a wedding. I remember he made $35,000 for a wedding one day, and all we did was like, chicken breast and carrots and cheese and like basic things, you know what I'm saying? So that kind of like upped my interest of wanting to be a chef. And I already know a lot of people in the industry, I not only wanted to be a chef, I wanted to be a celebrity chef, you know? So that's
1: how it kind of started like that. That is wonderful. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm much older than you. I'm probably the age of your mother and um, I don't mind sharing my age. But I told my niece and my nephew, you know, I was interviewing you. They, of course, know about you as a rapper. I was not aware of you as a rapper. My apologies. I just wasn't. I know you as the person who has the best salmon in Charlotte. And so that is fantastic. You say you lost your passion. Was it you lost your passion for rapping or you just found that your passion was more, was bigger for cooking? I mean, how did you make that transition?
2: Well, the reason I say I lost the passion for rapping is just because the industry is just so fake and it's so, it's just, I didn't really like the industry, the music industry. You know, when you're a kid and you have a dream of doing something, anything that you want to do in life, you don't really count for all the things that comes with it. You know, the negative, the positive, the bad, the good, the ups, the downs and things like that. So I didn't really know how the music industry worked. I just seen people on TV. And I see their cars and their clothes and their, you know, houses and, you know, the lifestyle. And I guess that was some of the reason that I wanted to be a rapper. And I also loved doing music because I started doing music when I was five. You know, I was singing in the choir. I played drums. In the, um, elementary school, I played trombone. I tried to play a violin or a cello before. So music was always in me. And as I got into the music business and I seen how talented I was, and I seen it was just like certain, it's, it's about really resources and the people that you know and some of the doors that you can get into you know so once i started going up and started meeting the celebrities a lot of celebrities and rappers that i met was nothing that like i saw on tv there was like characters and puppets and the things that a lot of them rapped about a lot of them didn't really live that lifestyle and i was really living that lifestyle and i was around people that was living that lifestyle and i was like y'all really live in these big houses or y'all really squares or y'all really not like y'all say y'all are and y'all are putting this music out and y'all are influencing the youth and people that are in the streets to do these things that y'all not really doing that y'all rapping about. And there were just so many different reasons why I lost a passion for rapping. And another thing, I didn't want to be a puppet, you know? Most artists have to be a puppet. Artists, actors athlete, you know, when somebody's cutting your check and, you know, the, it's an elite type of people that owns the whole industry. And I was like, if I can't be myself, I don't want to do it. And I knew once I became a chef, I could be myself. Anything I, I do in this world, I want to be authentic. And I think that's why I have some people that love me because of the way I am, the way I look, the way I talk, the way I present myself. I'm not being fake. I'm not being fraudulent. You know, some might love me, mm. some might hate me, but I'm myself. And when I became a chef, I became myself. And I did my way and how I wanted to do it. And that's what kind of cooking brought. And cooking also brought me to be able to meet people like you and I met lawyers and I met doctors and I met the average mom and the grandmas and you know athletes and everybody when I was a rapper I only met people that was like rap fans so like picking right. like really changed my life and opened up a lot of doors for me to meet a lot of people and to change you know and to inspire a lot of people so wow
1: I tell you I absolutely can't <laughs> wait for my niece and nephew to hear this because like I said, they knew you as a rapper and I was trying to convince them, no, no, that's not the same person. Of course, they found everything on Google and proved me wrong. But um, it sounds like you had the wherewithal already before you became an mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Because as you know, being an entrepreneur on TV, it looks really nice and fancy and you're talking to investors. But the real deal of being an entrepreneur is really what you said. You have to really work hard and you have to really do, you have to have grit. How did you develop that grit? When you say grit, could you explain it? Just having that backbone to stick with it, that wherewithal to stick with it when it's hard. Oh, I'm still going through that right
2: now. It's just like life is short. And yeah. the people that I love the most, like my grandmother, I lost them and they believed in me. Oh, and sorry. it's to this point, like, if I can't live the life that I want to live, I don't want to live. And I always had that that mindset. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to have problems whether we're doing good. We're going to have problems we're doing bad. We're going to have problems with rich. We're going to have problems We're poor. We all have problems. You know what I'm saying? So you got to figure out what's your problem. What are you willing to suffer for? You get know what I'm saying? So if I wasn't being an entrepreneur, and there's been times I want to give up, there has been times I want to say, you know what, I'm tired of this, I wanna do something different. But when I started thinking about everything that I overcame, I overcame the hardest of my life. When I was homeless, when I was going to jail, when I lost my grandmother, when I know nowhere to stay, you know what I'm saying? So I already overcame all the hardest. So no matter how hard it was being an entrepreneur, it's better than sleeping outside. It's better than not going, you know, not having nowhere to go. It's better than, you know, losing people that you love the most. You get know what I'm saying? Even though you lose people as you come as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur as well. So I just always had that dog in me and that mindset to like, I'm going to get whatever I want. And then plus meeting a lot of people that were successful that had more than me. And and then some of them, I felt like they didn't deserve it. They didn't go through what I had to go through. They weren't as strong as I was. And I was like, what makes them better than me? Or what makes them different than me? If they can do it, I can do it. You know what I'm saying? So anytime I ever think about quitting, I think about where I came from. I think about the person that has no legs. I think about the person that has cancer. I think about the person that's blind. I think about the person that's deaf. I think about the person that's doing life in prison. And I say, well, my life is better than a lot of other people. You get what I'm saying? So giving up is like a slap in the face to them. So that's what really keeps me going.
1: Wow. That is definitely worth sticking with a business for when you think about the options. You basically didn't give yourself an option to quit. Right,
2: and before when I was a rapper, my plan B was to cook, but I don't have a plan B.
1: Like, this got to work. You know, most
2: successful people in this world, the greatest people, they don't have plan B. Your plan A going to work. This is my plan A. This is the only thing I want to do. I don't want to do anything else, but be an entrepreneur and build my brand and create my brand. So if I don't do this, what am I going to do? So that's how I look at it.
1: I love your ownership mindset. You know, oftentimes people start companies and they don't think in terms of being an owner. They want to run it. But they don't think in terms of being an owner. And you touched on, even when you were a rapper, you realized that you had the skills, you had the talent, you clearly were successful, but you wanted ownership. You wanted independence. That's what I think sometimes people forget. There's a difference in working for your business and having someone own you while you're working for your business. Right. That was not an option. You weren't going to run a business or be an entertainer with that kind of mindset. Where did that come from for you?
2: Like I said, I don't know. I guess it's just how I came up. You know, I I experienced a lot
1: fast. I quit school in 10th
2: grade. I don't even know if I was in 10th grade or 9th grade because I don't know if they passed me to the 10th grade or not. But I know it (laughs) it was my 10th grade year, like, you know, so. I went to Job Corps. My mom put me out. My parents took me out. So I felt like my mom chose my stepfather over me. And I was in the streets very early, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, I, tried, I had to figure it out. And like I said, I never really had a, a strong support system. I was good at everything I did. And when I said it, I'm not exaggerating. Like I remember when I was a kid, I can draw anything I see. You know, I could draw it like exactly how I look. I remember mean, one time my coach came to my house and begged my parents for me to play football, but they took me off the, off the team because I made a D or an F or something on my report card. I was good at hockey. I lived in Alaska as a kid for three years, and I played hockey. I was the only black person on my hockey team, and I got good at that. I mean, one time we got beat bad, like eight to three, and I was the only person that scored all three goals. So I was just like everything I put my mind to I was good at. And I guess that I just kept that mindset as I grew up because people that had money and people that was like stars, like I remember when I got signed, I was 19. Just the way that they treated me, they gave me like kind of like confirmation, the greatness that I seen in myself. Other people that was great gave me that confirmation. You get what I'm saying? I was like, they utilizing me for this, they using me for this. It's something special about me. You get what I'm saying? So that's what that's what I, I got it from. Already feeling like I can do it, and then getting confirmation from people that I look up to. Or people that's in a way bigger, better position than me kind of giving me that same confirmation.
1: You know, you make me think about, um, and I'm just thinking in terms of just work on a corporate job where they want to put you on new assignments. They want to put you on new projects and you know you're good. But once you see people wanting to put you in different spaces and places for you to demonstrate that, you wake up and you realize, wait a minute, if they think I'm good and I already know I'm good. I need to try to figure out how I can own my good. How can I own all of what I'm doing for myself? I'm thinking in terms of money now, how can I own 100% of it? Which, I mean, I think that's fantastic. And the fact that you already had that type of mindset and you weren't even, what, 21 years old. Wait, you signed your first contract at 19? Yes, yeah, so I was 19. I, wow. I got hooked in my first contract because I didn't understand the music business at all.
2: But yes, oh I did. Gosh.
1: That is amazing. Congratulations. That had to have been scary. (laughs) I'm thinking in terms, because I'm older than you, I'm thinking, oh, my God, how scary that had to have been to, you know, have something that huge happen to you and be that young. So you talked about um, Chef Macon, who guided you. Would you consider him your mentor? Was he your mentor?
2: He was when he was alive. And I went through hell working for him. But (laughs) it was an experience that would not change for the world, because if it wasn't for him and I never said this about many people, but if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. And not because mm. he helped me to get where I'm at after I worked for him, just from working for him and being beside him. He did the presidential inauguration for Nelson Mandela when wow. he became the president. He cooked for Michael Jackson. He was Michael Jackson's first chef Ray Charles. Like so many great people. He created the Southwest Cuisine in, in 1987. He was a world-renowned chef known all around the world. And for me to get a chance to work beside him in the same kitchen right next to him a year before he passed away <laughs> was an experience that I could never change. You get what I'm saying? and I felt like he knew me. When I came to him, I was a rapper. I was still rapping. I was like at the end of my rap. I was like done with it. I wasn't on a no label or anything, and he loved my music, and he kind of like encouraged me to keep rapping or whatever, but he seen how hungry I was to become a chef, and I was the only person in his kitchen that was taking pictures of the plates and the food. I was just taking, I was just like in a brand new world. It was like everybody else just like they're coming to the work as a job, but to me, it was like exciting. It was something that I was learning, something that I wanted to do, something that I loved, and he loved seeing that in me, and It wasn't easy. It was the hardest thing I ever did besides being an entrepreneur, but I would not change it for the world.
1: One of the uh, challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs have, particularly Black entrepreneurs, is finding mentors, finding mentors in their particular industry. And so in the food and beverage industry, it can be challenging. And you ended up with a mentor before you started your business. Is that correct? Yes. So have you had the opportunity to mentor other chefs or people in the food and beverage industry? Um, I wouldn't say too many chefs.
2: You know, chefs are kind of like haters. You know, they they, they want to either be like you or compete with you. So I wouldn't say chefs, but I, I mentored a lot of people in general. I don't even really attract a lot of chefs. I attract a lot of entrepreneurs and people that just want to do things in their life and they just see me. And they might have a different passion or a different career path. But we relate to similar things in life, you know what I'm saying, the ups and downs, the personalities, just the, the obstacles of being an entrepreneur, the obstacles of life, the obstacles of not having a parent or, you know, what I'm saying things like that. So that's where my mentoring comes from, like life, you know, it's just that God used me as a chef to put me on that level to be able to be
1: seen in the light, to be able to use my personality and my character as a mentor. I'm glad you said that in the way you said it, because I wanted to ask you about the relationships you've been able to build, not as a rapper, but as a chef, as an entrepreneur. And what has attracted people to you? And, you know, just listening to you, it's the fact that you really have walked through the fire. You've walked through the fire of being an entrepreneur, you've walked through the fire of being an entertainer a successful entertainer. Those are two very demanding and difficult industries and you have wow. navigated both of them successfully. So um that's really good. That's really, really good. I have a question. Describe your menu. And I'm laughing because see I know your menu. But I want you to describe <laughs> I want you to describe your menu. I love your menu so <laughs>
2: Okay, Um, as far as describe, like, what's on it or? Yes, what's
1: on your menu? Uh,
2: well, I have the cinnamon cheese steak. The cinnamon cheese steak is my top seller. Uh, reggae shrimp taco. I have wings. I have chicken and waffles. I have a Philly cheesesteak burger, smoky bourbon burger, Um, my seafood crack, my jerk mac, the boss plate. And, you know, basically, what I, when I first started working for John making. I did a lot of upscale fine dining. Mm-hmm. I was really into fine dining and everything from scratch. And, and what I've what I noticed was a lot of people liked it, and the people that got a chance to taste it loved it, and they liked the pictures and they would talk about it, but nobody wanted to spend the money for it, even the celebrities. You know what I'm saying? So what I did was the regular. Are you serious? You've got to
1: be kidding me. Even the celebrities? No, I'm, I'm
2: very serious. When I first started, like a lot of people didn't want to pay the money for the upscale food, but they liked it. But some of the ones that did loved it and the ones that got a chance to taste it loved it. So what I did was dumb it down and started making wings, you know, and mac. And, you know, I made my jerk mac and I made tacos and, you know, saying things like that. and made it simpler, but I put my own little twist on it. I didn't make the basic. I used different flavors that people wasn't using the flavors, that people wasn't, they wasn't using the herbs and the season I was using on my chicken, and they wasn't making the kind of sauces. A lot of sauces I made, people never heard of, especially black people. So that's what I kind of made it different. You heard of tacos and you ate tacos, but you haven't ate these kind of tacos. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I kind of, like, differentiated myself from everybody else, to kind of use the flavors of knowing how to cook from scratch and, and learning how to cook French cuisines and Italian cuisines the Caribbean and Asian and things like that, and kind of, like, put it all together and make it into my own with a twist for soul food for average black people because you know how black people are they don't like to try nothing different you know what I'm saying so I had to make it (laughs) I had to simplify it for them to
1: taste it I do know uh several I'll just speak for people in my family they don't like to try anything different and you definitely nailed it so before you became because you're very well known as a chef and restaurateur did you try your menus out on friends on family I mean, how did, what were the steps you took? Because you were under Chef Macon and then you made the transition, but what were the steps?
2: Man, my steps was not average. I just went out there and get it. I see something going on.
1: And like I said, I had connections too.
2: And I wasn't scared. And everything that I ever did, when I say I'm not scared, I'm not scared to go against my fears. I, I, w- I wasn't ready for anything. I wasn't ready for when I came a celebrity chef. I wasn't ready when I had a food truck. I wasn't ready for a restaurant. Nothing that I got I was ready for because I never had prior experience to it. But I just went forward and learned as I went. So my only thing is, is just like when I had an opportunity to go cook for somebody, not even knowing if I can cook that amount of food or this type of food, I said yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you do this? Yes, I could do it. And I figured out how to do it. You know what I'm saying? I always got good reactions. So I was never at 100%. You know what I'm saying? some of the times I cooked some things. It was my first time cooking it. But somebody asked for it, and I needed that opportunity to spread my name. So I just did it, and I learned it. You know what I'm saying? So I always put myself under pressure. You know, always. I mean, I had to do a wedding, and I had to do a wedding for, like, 150 people. I was living in a small apartment. A small stove, I didn't have enough space to do it. The stove caught on fire because I put too much chicken oh, in the grease. Was, you know what I'm saying? There just so many things that was going on, and I still figured it out, made it happen, and still went to the, the weather, and they still love it. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I just put myself in uncomfortable situations always, and when I get an opportunity that I feel like it's worth it to get my name and my brand out there, I go do it. I go do. I go it. Some people are like, oh, no, I can't do it. I'm not ready. I don't have the help. I don't have the money. I don't, have, I don't care what I don't have. I still do it.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I have an opportunity. I'm very blessed and fortunate that I get to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. And, you know, some people think they have to be perfect. They have to have the right projections. They have to have the right funding. They have to have all these things right. in line. And what that does is it delays you. It makes you more fearful. And I love what you said. You said it, you just figured it out as you go. And honestly, that's how most entrepreneurs are making it. You're learning as you go. That never scared right. you, doing that. And Entrepreneurship is hard. It's yeah. definitely hard. I mean, the fact that you said you've never been scared, but that you just keep pressing forward, it goes back to what you said earlier. You know, you've always been good at what you put your mind to. You've just always been good at things. And I don't see how you could do anything other than succeed. And I'm saying that because I found out recently that you're expanding beyond Charlotte. So what is the future look like for the Nappy Chef?
2: Well, right now, I don't know if you heard, but I just won Best New Filmmaker in Atlanta at the Peachtree Valley International Film Festival.
1: I did not Um, hear that. I did not see that. Are you serious?
2: Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations.
0: Thank Fantastic. you. So that's my
2: next thing. That's what I'm doing right now, making films. I'm actually at a film studio right now, getting the promo cover done. for the. We're going to do a feature film. It's going to be an hour film. And we're going to get a shop system networking some distribution. It's kind of like based off true events in my life. It's called Love Chef. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'm working on expanding, working on a food truck, and I'm working on being a new uh, movie director. Just like working on dropper movies. So I love it. That's my passion. And that's what I'm working on right now.
1: You know, I decided to start this podcast because I wanted other people to get inspired and get encouraged because fear can keep us in analysis paralysis. And you are the total opposite of that. And that's what so many people need to hear. When is your movie coming out?
2: We don't have a for sure date. We're still working on everything right now because I wrote, a, I initially wrote a script, a 30 minute script. So I wanted to start off with doing short films, but I was with Renee Wilson. Renee Wilson was the, she was the in the movie Ray, with Ray Charles. She played with Jamie Foster, Virginia King. She was one of the Ray Leds. Yeah. I was with her the whole <laughs> and I, was, yeah, I was with James Brown, not the JB, but JB. He's the owner of the film festival. So I was with some people that really believe in what I do. And I was like, nah, you don't need to shoot no short film. We need to shoot a feature film. You know what I'm saying? So we got all these people around you just in the business that can help you. Go home and let's go for the big check, the big bag. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I ended up shooting this feature film because I got a lot of resources to get it distributed and I got the right in my
1: Congratulations again. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. I, I didn't know that. So I'm trying to, you know, not sound so excited. I'm excited because I finally caught you. I think I already said that. How can people get in touch with you? Where's your restaurant? Where are the new locations that are coming up? I mean, where are the, the plans for how people can find you and enjoy your food? Well, you can find my
2: restaurant is in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's 5933, Alamar Road. The website is com. It's under this, uh, construction again, so I took it down because we up we upgrading it. Um, We're adding my merch to it, new menus, new projects, everything. So it's not up right now. Well, it's up or it's down. Nappy Chef Takeout is the page on Instagram. You want to find the restaurant page, so it's Nappy Chef Takeout. The brand page is Nappy Chef Everything. Any business inquiries is Nappy Chef Business at gmail.com. And you can just Google Nappy Chef, and I'll pop up.
1: And, you know, you forgot to mention another award that you won in Charlotte. Oh, yeah,
2: I won 2021 Restaurant of the Year, and then I won, in 2022, I won Best Wings in the Cities on Power 98.
1: I definitely knew about those two. Congratulations, yeah. Chef Nappy, and thank you again so much for your time. I didn't know your full story, so truly is a gift and a blessing to hear it and for you to share it with me. You know I'll be back at your restaurant, so thank you.
2: Thank you. Also, you send me a DM so I can know exactly who I'm talking to, so I can keep contact with you. So anything that I got coming up that I can invite you to, I will. So you'll thank send me a DM. Yeah. I
1: sure will. Definitely. Will you take care and hope to talk to you soon.
0: For centuries, Black people have cultivated the land that has grown some of the world's most famous recipes, foods, and drinks. The mission of Savory Sweet is to give global exposure to the founders and CEOs of these companies and their stories so that we can savor the land, foods, and drinks they create.